A basketball podcast with Ian and Simon. I'm Ian. And he's Simon. And we are back here to talk about NBA basketball. And one thing we wanted to talk about on this episode, we'll see where it goes, but we're going to focus on on trades. How do you feel about trades in general around this time of year, Simon? I mean, I love them when they happen. We don't usually get a trade in uh, mid-December. It's usually more around the trade deadlines things start ramping up so like late late january early february but i mean i'm i'm here for it like we we're already seeing some trends with a lot of teams there are definitely some teams that maybe had slightly higher expectations and things just haven't worked out with their roster we'll talk about a few of those and then we'll talk about some teams that are that are clearly very bad and it's already a little bit too late to salvage the season possibly and are they going to look to change direction and prepare for next season a little bit early? Or are they going to stay the course? So that's that's what we're going to talk about. I think with trades, though, 90% of it is the trades that don't happen. It's the speculative fiction world of the NBA. Like, I see so many bad NBA Instagram accounts that just, you know, post a picture of some famous player in another jersey and have, like, a trade that makes absolutely no sense. And it's kind of like that yeah. thing where, like, guys look at this and they're like hell yeah i'm just yeah. like yeah lebron james in a minnesota timberwolves jersey hell yeah <laughs> no there's a there's a site where it's all about like ranking trade proposals i'm forgetting the, okay. the name of it but i use it a lot for for 2k you know when i'm going through a, a 2k season and i like i want to figure out like how to shake things up or yeah. how to how to start off the season with like a big move that's gonna like you know change yeah. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but there's definitely a website that you go to where all it is is it's, it's posted trade proposals from like a bunch of sports leagues. But I look at the NBA, obviously, and then people just like thumbs up or thumbs down, you know, <laughs> and most oh, so of them, cra- most of them are terrible. Rank. Yeah, most of them are terrible. But like every once in a while, you'll you'll see a good one. I'll try to pull it up while you're talking in that and give it we can we can bring up a couple of ideas on some of these guys that we're going to talk about. Do you find you agree with the with the rankings, like how people react to them? Or do oh you yeah, like yeah, no. The the ones okay. that receive the most thumbs up are definitely like the most realistic. Okay, cool. So there's the the, the crowd is 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 figuring it out. The crowd, the crowd is knows. is probably um, older than twelve years old. Yes, that's that's great. I mean, uh, lots of lots of thirty year olds just they 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 really flex their lack of ability to think of things from two sides like so many trades are like i really want this player to go here and therefore whatever i'm sending back that just barely makes it work is kind of reasonable i've actually spent no time thinking about the other side of it so just whatever makes it work i want this player to go here that seems to be like at least half of trade things that i see i usually have like no interest in this but like trades are one of the more like gamified fun things like not just the website you're talking about but you know like yeah. everyone uses trade machine and i'm i'm like i'm guilty of that too when there's like when i become interested in the idea of a player in there i gotta see what what will make it work and how many people actually know about like the cba and um how salaries need to match and also like when players can be traded by it does feel like people are getting smarter about that though because it's such a fun gamified space of following the nba so like random people who don't know much about anything NBA wise will like randomly know that like this player can't be traded until December 15th or something. And a deadline is actually coming up for that. So I think that's why it's an appropriate time for us to start talking about trades is that a bunch of players can now be traded that were untradeable until recently or I think, or maybe it's coming up December 15th. I think is the deadline for a bunch of them. Yeah. It's like mid December if they signed a 
Well, it depends on when they sign their contract during the offseason on which date in December it is. But, you know, mid to late December is when a lot of guys who signed during the free agency period become tradable. Uh, we didn't put them on our initial list of trade candidates, but like the Warriors are a team with title aspirations kind of at the end of an era who are they're the furthest away from, I'd say, they're, they might be the team that's the furthest away from where they hope they'd be. I mean, Memphis, but that's yeah. a little bit more understandable. I mean, the Suns game last night was another yet another game where the Warriors had a huge lead and, and lost it. So, yeah, this keeps happening, especially against other other teams in the West that are kind of, you know, they, they might envision around the same level as they are. Yeah. And like they know that Steph Curry is really good, but they don't really know anything like nothing else feels really certain about this team. Right. Like they're just like they clay is their number two scorer and like you know shot attempter and then there's like and then there's andrew wiggins after that who's not really supposed to be necessarily like their even their tertiary score like that's not really the value he's supposed to be bringing he's doing a bad job of that like they've kind of just have this collection of like who who do you think the warriors like value right now outside of like steph like besides if we take out the history that the franchise has with clay and draymond because obviously they value them quite highly from like a legacy standpoint yeah. but like if the warriors wanted to do something i'm not sure i'm not sure well draymond would still have trade value i think like i don't really see clay as having trade value like he's he's not only like he's his contract is coming up he makes a ton of money and he's just not very good right, right but draymond despite the antics is still like a great fit with the warriors team and provides exactly what they need so yeah, yeah. can you can you trade a player like that for a player who's fills in some of what draymond is leaving and provides you with enough benefit on top of that to improve the roster yeah i don't think so and i haven't really seen very many ideas with draymond being part of it i see things with like i see things with like chris paul obviously like the young guys kaminga pajemski you know, I think teams would like teams would would take a fly like would be sort of interested in in Moody and some of the other young guys, but none of them really carry transcendent value. I'd, I'd probably argue actually that Pajemski would be the player that teams would ask about the most in any kind of trade proposal with the Warriors. I just think like Kaminga has been too up and down for long, where Pajemski still has the like exciting mystery of like he hasn't done anything wrong yet. He's just sort of like gone out there and looked very tough and smart. And doesn't really miss shots either. Yeah, but you, to get a player that's like, you know, is a veteran, has experience, you know, like is going to be able to realistically perhaps fit in to this team within the time span of one year and be ready by playoff time to make a large impact here. That's not going to be a player on a rookie contract. So you're going to have to throw in a salary as well. I mean, the Warriors don't have a lot of those unless they're like trading Chris Paul. But I, I mean, I don't think Pajemski would be the, it'd be like, that's who like they the trade would be centered around someone else, but that would be the player that I think teams would be asking back for if they were like, say, going to take on Chris Paul or Clay Thompson. But it does just seem like all these players play really specific roles on this team of which they are valuable in. They're not doing those roles well enough, but they're hard to trade for value to get something better than that. So the Warriors feel stuck in a really tight place. We know nothing about Mike Dunleavy as a as a decision maker because this is his first year on the job it's really it's it's tough to inherit like i think we know one thing about him i mean he was willing to cut bait with jordan pool after one season um so yeah, i think that was... he's probably a little bit less hesitant to maybe make decisions 
Or unless yeah. that was, you know, something coming from top down, unless it was like Warriors ownership saying, get this guy out of here. Yeah. I mean, that definitely could have been the case. But I mean, it definitely seemed like he was more willing to make a quick decision and a quick move versus Bob Myers, who was very hesitant to to do that. And I don't think they they wouldn't have like they don't have the guts to nothing guts. That's not even the right word. Trading Steph Curry would be a wild move, even though like. It's easy to argue that it would be really smart to just like get a maximum haul for Curry and just move on, but but like it's such a, he's he's the greatest player in franchise history. Yeah, yeah, I don't. They're more likely to Kobe it. They're more likely to do what the Lakers did with Kobe, right? Or mm-hmm. they just sort of like Steph Curry still does his his routine and gets a lot of gets a lot of cheer. But he's he's thirty five and he's still playing like an MVP candidate. It's a weird yeah, time. Like you gotta they totally on, failed. They totally failed in the like bridge. They, they tried so hard to bridge to the next generation. And they just didn't even get one player that that makes you feel like that you can call a clear win. I think Pajimski is good and I think Moses Moody's good. I mean, but these are like rotation players, right? You're not Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying they don't no, have any good no players. probable no probable future all stars. Yeah, it's in, I mean with guys that young, someone like Pajemski, he can absolutely just ramp it up one season and change how we feel about it. It's, it's just really it's really hard to say with him. I think you could say he's definitely a really good draft pick, but he's not like he's kind of also coming a little bit like a little too late. It's just it's really like the, the Wiseman Kaminga draft picks that that sunk this effort. I feel like I'm missing I'm missing one other draft pick they managed to nab. Kaminga was Kaminga. the wool. Pick. Wiseman was their own pick because they because yeah. they tanked for that season. They had all the ingredients to have success in this rebuild, but they just didn't hit their draft picks. And that's not because they're a joke and they're awful. Like draft picks are a roll of the dice. And when when teams are begging their teams to tear it down and get draft picks, like you might draft like four mediocre players. You might draft two busts, one solid rotation player, and like you know, you know, it's like it's not a it's not all going to be hits, and unfortunately, they got basically no hits of their of their big picks. And Wiseman and Kaminga are the main ones to look at for that. Yeah, I mean, Kaminga's like I think he was like the eighth pick in the draft, so that's seventh. I think, seventh. seventh. Okay, so but that's still like it's not top five, so it's not like a pick where it's a disaster if you don't get like a really high level player. Yeah, and I think you can always point who comes after, but that's you always could, like, but like. Outside. Yeah, that is a hindsight move. Like I remember that draft very well, and there, like Franz Wagner was not viewed as a surefire thing at the time. No. Absolutely, and I, I would have picked, I would have picked Kaminga. I was surprised he slid. I would have, I try, I don't remember off the top of my head where I had him, but I think a little, I think after, I think I had, I'm gonna guess I had him six. You know, like Cunningham, Mobley, Barnes, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and then I probably had Kaminga next. And I probably would have thought, like I thought Kaminga had more high end potential than Suggs and arguably Barnes, like very different players. But I thought I liked Kaminga's like high-end athleticism. I mean, his high-end athleticism is still awesome. You watch him play and you can still see what's exciting about Jonathan Kaminga. He looks like he looks like one of the strongest players in the league. And when he jumps, it's like, it's just like, it's one of the most powerful single things, powerful single aspects of athleticism you can witness in the NBA. He just hasn't really developed at all as a shooter. And and his and his decision making also just hasn't like like it's a kind of what is he at this point? He's like he's I mean like what's the difference between Jonathan Kaminga and like Precious Achua for example? And I'm gonna like Precious Achua is probably better. That's the kind of player we're talking about, right? Not like a star 
level combo forward where I don't know. I'm looking back at the draft and I actually <laughs> I changed my mind. I do think uh, Franz Wagner was kind of the obvious pick there. <laughs> if you weren't going the Kaminga route, it was it was kind of between those two guys. No one knew that Franz Wagner was going to be a capable offensive player in the NBA. Like he looked like he projected he, like there was no evidence of this amazing pull up game. That he, like he's a he's a like assassin with like with dribble pull ups like. No, he didn't flex that at all in in college. Like he was like, okay, maybe he's gonna be a spot up guy if he can improve his shooting. He's a smart passer and mover, but like him being an on ball scorer, that was not in the cards. I like I really liked yeah. Franz Wagner, and I, I had I had, I'm looking at my board right now. I had him at tenth, so I can't claim. I oh can't wow, who'd really you have in front of Franz Wagner? Oh, you really want to humiliate me on the podcast? Well, I, I'm just like, it? I'm looking at the list and I'm like, I'm not coming up with the names. So I'm just curious. I got high on Usman Garuba. Oh um, yeah. Okay. I mean, he was, Usman. he was fun in Spain. Yeah. I had him one, I had him one spot above Wagner and then I had currently, I had un, currently unrostered, right? Is he? I thought, I mean, he got, he Did was traded around so many times. Well, uh, I've lost okay, track. So, okay. So you cut him. And then I don't yeah. know if he's... Oh, he's he's been picked up once. He was picked up? That. But he might have been cut again. We should Let's look see. this up, Wall. Um, yeah, but... he, hasn't, he hasn't played a game this season. Okay, that's not a... Yeah. <laughs> I had Zaire Williams at eight. And, you know, I think that was, like, sort of reasonable. And then looked good in his rookie season, kind of. And then has flatlined since then. No, but got, I got... He so, got hurt. But he also, like, he had some red flags. He was, like, a tall, skinny guy with short arms. And yep. the skill set wasn't obvious, but I do get one. I do get one. I've just given you my two like in, embarrassing ones ahead of, ahead of bronze. I had I had Sangoon at seven. Okay. So yeah. at least I'm like I'm balancing the Sh- scales. Sangoon was the guy that I absolutely loved going into the draft too. I mean, yeah, I don't know, just like a <laughs> offensive IQ intensity standpoint. Like he was an undersized center coming in. He's he's since grown but yeah um he just like seemed like a guy who was just really heady really smart like knew how to play basketball those guys and and with his strength he was so like i felt his strength would be the thing that would allow him to to play his game in the yeah, nba that's like, true he, he kind of just he kind of like he was what six eight six nine when he was playing in the turkish league and you know there's a lot of guys who were his size and bigger and he would just dominate <laughs> on the boards yeah. and in the paint you know even against size mismatches so I felt like his. I felt like even if he didn't turn into a star, I felt like the role that like Dario Saric has played when healthy was kind of his basement. Like Singer yeah. was still going to be able to really like kind of like power bully against and and just be a really smart, good passer. But then yeah, I mean I thought that after you got out of the kind of obvious top five ish picks like that everyone agreed on like. Well, never everyone, but Cunningham, Mobley, Green, Barnes, Suggs, and Kaminga. I felt after that, Shangun had the most like high end potential. Like it's like, oh, this guy. I mean, Nikola Jokic existing gave you the template a little bit, but it's just like this guy does some crazy things. So if it if it pops, it could pop. And it's and it's really like this is kind of best case scenario Shangun so far. So, anyways, man, OKC up- OKC picked him and they traded him for two future firsts. Yeah, yeah, Man. that was. I guess he doesn't usually be, make mistakes be, like that, but he'd be kind of a nice. He'd be he he would fit enough there. Like I'm mm-hmm. like like Chet Chet and Shangun would be quite a quite a difficult front court to guard and complementary. I'd say in some ways defensively. 
Oh my! Imagine pick and roll with Shengun and 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 Shay or Shengun and and and, and Jalen Williams. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyways, we should let's get let's get let's get into the meat of the trade talks. Let's let's head to the most mentioned trade candidate. Yes, um, and I'll I'll pull up some some example trades for you from our our site here, okay. and I'll I'll kind of run them by you and see what you think. So the guy that we're mentioning is obviously Zach Levine, the one guy that yeah. we we, we kind of know for sure at this point that. He's being shopped. That's the reason why we'd mention him above the other Bulls or the Raptors, just because like it's still very like the Raptors. You they might hold on to their players forever. Like they're not going to rush into a deal where where Chicago seems to have made up their mind on Levine, and Levine's made up his mind on Chicago. Okay, let's, so let's do, do let's do five let's do five example trades, and I'll, I'll see okay. what you think. I'll, I'll start with this one. I, I, I kind of know where you're going to go with this, but I'll bring it in anyway. Okay. So Zach Levine to the Heat for the Lowry contract, Caleb Martin, and Jovich. The Lowry contract, Caleb Martin, and Jovich. Yep. Wait, how do you think that I'm going to react to this? I'm like, I'm like, why would I have a predictable reaction to this trade? I mean, at first blush, it just seemed like a lot for... Oh, and a pick too. It seemed like a lot for Zach Levine. Oh, there's a pick involved. Yeah, okay. The Because I mean, who... Caleb Martin is really good, but mm-hmm. I don't see he's just salary matching in this scenario because it's not like Caleb Martin is a is a young budding star. He's like a guy that fits in really well on a high level team. So I don't really get why Chicago would be that interested. And of course, you can maybe flip him for a- other assets, but it's still yeah. Like, I think I think that's kind of the idea. Like Chicago would flip him for a late protected first or a couple seconds or something. He's just come back. He's played like a dozen games now, and he's. Yeah. So essentially what, what Chicago is getting out of this is whatever they can get for Caleb Martin, Jovic, and a pick for Libya. Well, I mean, Jovic you can sell yourself on as being an interesting young guy at least. Like, not a super high-end one, but like there's some big I, I think he's Jovic. pretty good. He was really good he's for good. Team yeah. Serbia in the World Cup. Like, he's definitely not – he's just getting buried in, in Miami. And I, I don't I don't know exactly what all goes into that, but like he's clearly like highly skilled. And he's even had some flashes this season where he's looked really good. But yeah, I don't know. They they play they play really awkward lineups, and I guess they just don't need another. It's weird because like you know Kevin Love has recently started playing a lot of minutes. I don't know. Jovic is really young, and they just might decide he's not ready defensively. But um, yeah, I don't like that. Like that seems like if there's a pick involved, that seems like a lot for Levine. I would probably do this if I was Miami. I don't. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Hmm. I just don't like the idea of Zach Levine in Miami all that much, um, just because of the defensive concerns. Uh, I don't know. And Hero's not in this deal, which also no. is like you're gonna have Hero and Levine. Yeah, I just. Don't, I mean, maybe I don't love the backcourt fit that much. So it's like you're going like Hero and Levine in the backcourt with mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, Bam, and who is left? You're either playing offensively. Playing it's a nice fit because Zach Levine is a really good shooter off of movement, and I think. Jimmy in general, but especially like Jimmy driving kicks where he's like drawing in defensive attention would just result in a lot of easy shots. And I feel like Zach Levine's a pretty high level catch and shoot player when he's given easy looks. So offensively, it'd be a nice fit. I think also if you don't have really like defensive resources to throw at Tyler Hero because you're tied up guarding other players, he becomes a little bit more dangerous where when he's been more of the focal point of their offense, it feels like you can turn off Tyler Hero if you really need to. But if he's like yeah. the, 
secondary tertiary just kind of like more sneaky score maybe he becomes a little bit more dangerous they have a pretty good track record of building elite defenses around bam and spare parts but but levine and hero is a pretty porous um that's a, that's that's that, that's a lot. That's a, you're asking a lot of Bam and Jimmy in the playoffs. Yeah, and you're you're trading two pretty good defenders who are getting significant minutes right now and are a big parts of the rotation, and you're not getting anyone back. And Miami's defense is like only okay this year. Like yeah. it's nothing special. If they're like, yeah, they're slightly above league average. They'll probably take it up a step in the playoffs, but you know, there there comes a point where your personnel gets bad enough where you really can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hawkes is there. He's gonna he's gonna do heat things. Haywood Highsmith. They, they still have like extra defenders, but they're they're like they're also just getting really small at this point. And they're and they're getting like Levine doesn't help with that. I don't know. I don't I don't love this trade for either side. Give me another yeah. one. I'm, I'm scrolling past some of the more unrealistic trades. There's there's one where Clay yeah. is being traded. I don't don't see that happening. And there's a lot of like three or four team trades, which I think is like just a, a bit of a pipe dream. But yeah. here's here's a fun one with the Hawks. So Bulls are tr- sending Zach Levine, Drummond, and Dalen Terry. And the Hawks are sending Capella, Bogdanovich, and Sadiq Bay. I don't get it. I don't like what's what's which team is getting better in this? Like like it, like yeah, we're gonna have like point. we're gonna have <laughs> Trey and Deontay and Zach Levine, are they going to play at the same oh, man. time? And you're trading your <laughs> like your your best other other teams there? certainly hope so. I don't like. I just don't think that's tenable for for yeah. Atlanta. At all. I mean, I Atlanta, do. I do think Atlanta wants to get off money, and in this case, they wouldn't be right because Zach Levine's on a long term deal. You know, I feel I feel bad for Atlanta because I it's like I feel like they they built a team that is like smart and fits together really well. Like they've checked so many boxes in terms of just like, they've got so many interesting versatile wing players. They've got a yeah. rim protector and a lob threat. They've got a, they've got a backup center who can come in and, and, and wreck things on defense. They've got two dynamic guards in the backcourt who are both like playing well right now. And it just amounts to like, eh, you know, good offense, really bad defense. Like, what what else can they really like, they, like? At this point, they would need to add such elite defenders to this team to see if they can. Yeah, because they it feels well, like they've got and their okay offense. Defenders. Their offense isn't you know. I mean, it's it's not like absolutely elite territory like Indiana either. It's just it's very good, right? But it's not quite like absolute cream of the crop. And I mean, defensively, yeah. they're not as bad as the Pacers, but they're they're pretty bad. They're pretty close. So offensively, they're 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 fifth in raw offensive ratings, and they're sixth in adjusted offensive rating when you consider the the opponents that they've played. So that's really good. That's like a seventeen point eight adjusted offensive rating, and Indiana's at at nineteen. So they're only a point behind Indiana. So I think that's pretty tremendous. And then on defense, they're a little bit better within the, under the adjusted they're 23rd where in raw they're 28th where they look like just absolutely one of the worst teams but they're they're pretty close either way and they don't have a it still amounts to like a neutral net rating whatever they give on offense they're they're giving back on defense so they're in that same yeah they're like a they're they're the same as indiana in in my mind and i because i know that indiana like people are really hyped on on indiana right now i think i said last time i've got a, I, I sold a little bit of stock i'm a little bit off that I've trained because Indiana's defense is a, is a real joke. Like it's like yeah. when teams when teams can chip away at their offensive value. Like we saw it in that Lakers game in the in the in the in the in season tournament. Like like 
the Lakers, you, like you, you brought up this stat to me when we were talking just before this. Like, how many threes did the Lakers like hit in that game? They only shot 15 threes and they only made three of them. Yeah, and they still they won. Like, they just like they were able to just sort of like foul out the interior and just like get easy shots the whole game because there's just no defensive persistence there. And so, like, I just think I think really strong defenses will just be able to. I, I'm even. I don't even necessarily believe Indiana is a surefire playoff team. I think they're, I know right now they've got a better record than Atlanta. Like Atlanta's nine and 13 and Indiana's 13 and eight. I think like a bad week or, or a tough part of the schedule could just bring these teams to around the same place. Like they're the, like, I don't like, I don't believe in this kind of team in general. Yeah. I'm, I'm still looking for some good trades, man. <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, like, it turns Zach Levine out it's, is a complicated piece. It's, it's hard to trade Levine. There's not, like, a lot of trades that make sense. There's a lot of trades that are proposed, but there's not a lot that makes a ton of sense, to be honest. Yeah. And some of the teams that would be the most thirsty for him have spent a lot of their ammo, too. Yeah. I mean, Magic, I, I, I don't think you'll love this one, but here's one where Zach Levine goes to the Magic. And the Bulls get Isaac Harris, Suggs. I think with Suggs? his, no, with, no, his no, no. with his trajectory this season, they're not going to trade Suggs. But you know, no, replace Suggs for for someone else. I don't know. Well, I mean, they need a little bit of money to make the contract work. It could be Folds. It could be Ingles. You know, just one of those names, and then a couple of protected picks. I feel like it's gonna like with any Levine trade, the Bulls are going to look for a pick heavy package, and that's like that's. That's all they're probably in. They're not going to get a good young player for Zach Levine. They're going to see if they can get picks from someone. So a lot of these trades end up being kind of like, eh. Where do you want, like, where, I'd like, where, where, where's a good landing spot for him? Where do you like Zach Levine? Lakers. Yeah. I don't, I think that like the Lakers could use some oomph on offense. What about Zach Levine for D'Lo, Hachimura, and a pick? Yeah. I like that one best. Did you just make that up or do you find it? This is part of a larger trade, and I think the extra players that are thrown in here are not super realistic. So I, I kind of trimmed the fat a little bit. Yeah, I see that. The, 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 the value of the pick would, would determine this. I don't think anyone's that excited about Hachimura anymore. It was like always a little bit hard. Of, I've always liked Rui Hachimura a little bit, but he, but his the versatility is lacking. He's not. He's 25 now. He's not going to be like seen as an interesting piece for Chicago. So it's more about like what kind of what what is that pick that they send back? Yeah, he kind of yeah, does like two we, things well. I mean, he can be like really physical interior defender against like big forwards and small bigs. Yeah, and he will create mid range jump shots for himself. And those are <laughs> those are like the two things that he does. I could see some. I could see with the like with the market cool for Levine. I could see some. Te- like some funny teams getting in there. I would not be surprised if the Boston Celtics put together a trade proposal for Zach Levine. They're like, they go hard to just add good players to their rotation. And I think they they probably believe that they could cover for him defensively enough where he was just sort of like an, an offensive weapon for them. Uh, and yeah. fits well in the backcourt, I think, with with those defensive guards kind of thing. It's kind of like a e- easy mission for Zach Levine, even though like it's another player that is not a very good instinctive passer, and it kind of like doubles down on a little bit of Boston's weaknesses. But I, I could see them going for it. Wouldn't be surprised if I don't think Milwaukee has the picks. I don't think Philly's going to be interested. I could see Minnesota doing something wacky, but I guess they've traded most of their picks in the in the Go Bear thing, so they might not yeah. have any ammo there either. The Knicks. 
are the other one that I think would would be interested in adding a little bit more firepower in their backcourt. Yeah, but then their backcourt's so bad defensively. Yeah. Yeah. They're a really good defensive that. team this year. Oh, so no. Zach Levine for Damian Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. No. Dame, Dame's been better in the past. He had like a really rough first three weeks of the season. He was shooting like 22% from three or something. But he, he's actually yeah. been quite a bit better since mid-November. So. I, I never felt that that was like something to react too heavily to. I think it was like unfortunate. But but I was oh, like, we can't. Like, here's an interesting one. Zach Levine to the Jazz for Sexton, Olenek, and a pick. It depends on how you, do you feel like Sexton is still an interesting player for a young team. I mean, I, I just think if the trade market is really this terrible, it, I like it better than some of the other options for the Bulls. Well, let's let's move on from yeah. from Zach Levine. <laughs> let's like because he's you know because I, like he does move the needle in the right circumstances. He doesn't have high value right now. It will be interesting to see where he does end up. But it's like it also he inspires some uninspiring trade packages. Should we talk about Pascal Siakam and the and the Raptors' likelihood of making a trade? Yeah, just the Raptors in general. I think OG and Trent are also potential trade options for the Raptors. Sure, yeah. Definitely. Both, both of those guys are expiring. Both of them are going to want, I wouldn't say more money than they're worth, but they're going to want a lot of money, right? I so, think that the Raptors are the most likely team to be able to pay OG the amount of money he's going to want. So I don't think that he's But do the Raptors angry. want to pay him $40 million a year? You think he can get all the way up to $40 million? Yeah, like, <laughs> I do. Or, High 30s at least. But do you think someone else is going to pay? Who like? I mean, there there is like there is going to be real competition with cap space this season, and it is teams where you it's going to, like like Orlando and San Antonio are going to have cap space, and I think that's like they're realistically they could like OG is young enough that I think people will be like, yeah, we we want to lock him in and, and pair him with our stars, right? Like, why would you not want yeah. to put OG next to Victor Wembanyama when you're not going to be using your cap space for a long time, anyways? Why would you not want OG? Like, OG is such a good shooter too that Orlando can be like, oh, we can play Paolo, Franz, and OG at the same time. Like, there will be real suitors for him. So, well, I think, but I, yeah, I, I think OG's a better player than Jeremy Grant, right? And I'm kind of in the Blazers overpay Jeremy Grant, so maybe that's not like the best comparison. But I just see him as getting like. A similar a similar contract to Jeremy Grant, but with the numbers boosted a bit. And then look at the contract that Jaden McDaniels got in Minnesota, because I think that's like a very that's a, there's a closer OG comparison. And OG is better than Jaden McDaniels, like you know he's more proven as a shooter at the very least, yeah. and just sort of he's a, he's a, his defensive reputation goes back a little bit longer than Jaden. I'd say like I, like I think you could make an argument that Jaden is as good as OG is on defense. I'd say Jaden actually has more high-end offensive potential because I think OG has real limitations to his game, like can't drive. He's just he's just a finisher, and you can tell he wants to do a little bit more. He's actually not a bad decision maker in like in crunch time, especially I've noticed like kind of trust OG to take a shot or do something. But over the course of the game, like he falls down when he drives. He's not efficient on post ups. He gets a lot of like dunks at the rim that few players dunk like off two feet. He's just sometimes like so strong that like sometimes if someone else gets him the ball and he's under the basket, he's just up there and dunking it and the play's over. And you're just like, wow, where did it's okay. I did not see a dunk coming out of that play. And then yeah. he's a really proven long-term shooter. But besides that, that's kind of his whole offensive game. And the Raptors have given him chances to prove himself as a, as a pick and roll guy. And it's just not there. So or I think like, but yeah, I think he's in the well, market for possibly think, getting forty million a year. But I think the tricky thing is you want to pay 
you want to retain OG if you can, obviously, unless someone <laughs> gives you just like a, a trade offer that knocks you off your chair. But unless someone's like coming in with the goods, you do want to retain OG and Anobi, but you don't want to pay him so much where if he starts having injury issues again, or if he just like kind of is who he is, that the contract's untradeable. Well, the Raptors are heading into a rebuild around Scotty Barnes. They're like, they're in the last like dregs of this like indecision era. And OG fits really well with Scotty Barnes. So I do think the Raptors are one of the teams that are more likely to overpay for his services. That being said, there's enough competition. They're going to have some insight of their chances to re-sign OG, I think. But And they're going to be aware of how much they're going to have to be willing to pay. If they're not willing to meet that number, then yes, they should trade him. But if they're rolling into this offseason, like, we want OG, we know we're probably going to have to pay $35, $40 million a year to, yeah. to keep him. So I just think that's a realistic scenario where with Siakam, I just don't see Siakam and Barnes it's like it, it being kind of functional. Man, like I don't like have you watched many Raptors games this year? Like I I despise watching that team. And I yeah, like a I've, lot I've of seen a little players. bit. I saw their 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 game where they were down with the Spurs, down to the Spurs by like 10 with like a minute and a half to go and one. The Spurs are like the worst executing team in clutch time that I've ever seen, <laughs> but yeah. I like almost every individual player on the Raptors, especially in their like top six players kind of thing. I think all of those guys are are really useful players on any kind of team, but I just hate the like I hate the the mix here and the way they played last year, which like you know drove Raptors fans insane. They wanted the team to play more conventionally. They wanted to run pick and rolls and like they and they wanted to generate more threes and they wanted to do these things that good offenses are supposed to do. And instead they were like forcing turnovers and and piling up offensive rebounds as a way to survive. And now that Nick Nurse is gone and they brought in a new rookie coach and they're playing a more conventional style, it's just laid bare like how bad this team is offensively and how little they have going on. Like there's just so little shooting here and there's so little rim pressure that it doesn't matter that like Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG and Jakob Pertl are all like really good starters in this league. It just, it doesn't fit together. This isn't a team that can run normal sets. Every pick and roll is so hard. Ball movement just results in like, in, in like, the, like last year, they kind of, I think last year, Nick Nurse knew how bad this team was on offense. And he was like, I got to use a lot of gimmicks to get us through night to night. And now that we see them without the gimmicks, it's just like, I find it pretty like painful to watch. And I want it to end. I want them to move on Yeah, because this isn't fun for anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really think they have to break up the, the triumvirate night, you know, out of, out of Siakman and Anobi, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you where I think it makes more sense to retain an Anobi long-term. He is, he is more versatile and he is a better fit with Barnes. So I think like either you trade Siakam, and if you're not trading Siakam and you got to make it work, you really got to. I feel like you really got to try to at least move off Gary Trent because if you're re-signing Ananobi and Siakam, you're you're definitely not not re-signing yeah. Gary Trent as well. You're not going into super tax for second apron for like a team that can't even play 500 basketball. Yeah, and that's kind of where they're at right now. Is it's like. How how are we going to navigate that? The one kind of like because Siakam to me, in theory, is a lot more of an exciting addition to any to like a contender or even mid tier team than Zach Levine is. However, like watching Siakam this year, um, I'm really concerned about his defense. And in the past, I'm someone who has been like Siakam is one of the more versatile high motor defenders in the NBA this year, I see, I just see so many botched possessions where Siakam 
kind of does a little bit of like a Trey Young and is like there, but not really there. Like his body is in front of the defender and the defender doesn't really care. He drives to the rim, sack him kind of like gets out of the way. His hands are up, but they're not really doing anything. It's his like, it's his lowest block season at, like ever. Like he's not really protecting the rim anymore in any other way. He just seems like, like the kind of player who got a taste of, getting to shoot as much as he wanted and create as much as possible. And, and is like looking right now, like he's maybe lost interest in some of the things that made him such an incredibly versatile player back in like 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little down on him and maybe that perks up in a new role in a different environment on, on like a better team where he could more play a role he's suited for. But like, I mean, you're six foot nine, you got five blocks on the entire season. Like, yeah, that's very um, shooting is also fell off a cliff with for him. Well, he's never been good at it. Like he's like he's never been a well, good high ball. When he was mostly off ball and spending more time spotty up in the corner, he was he was okay on catch and shoot threes. When he busted out in the post Kawhi year in twenty twenty, he started that year on fire. He was came coming out taking off the dribble threes and just being like, "Whoa, okay, I guess Siakam is just going to keep improving exponentially every season." And for about I don't know whether it was 10, 15, 20 games, he was like shooting forty percent from three and looking like some version of Kevin Durant. And then and it, he hasn't been able to shoot the ball effectively from three since. But it's like he still remembers. Players got long memories like that. You're like, like, like you, you got hot shooting one time. You, you really believe in yourself going forward. And Siakam believes in that shot, but like, yeah, it's basically been dropping off for three straight years and was never good to begin with. So he's not a good shooter. You want him playing transit. You want him playing in transition. You want him cutting. You want him posting up. You want him passing. You want him operating the short roll. He does all these things really well, but as like a perimeter player that takes threes, it's, it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah, I'm just looking at his shooting splits from last year. On pull-up threes, he was 27%, but on catch-and-shoot, he was 34 You know, So I think he's a passable shooter yeah. as long as he's yeah. not taking them off the dribble. I agree. Where but, would you like to see Siakam so, land? I've been looking at trades really briefly. Yeah, I think great. Siakam is more fun to talk about than Zach Levine because there are three teams that, to me, all offer pretty interesting fits. There are three teams that are realistically wanting to make a trade because all three of these teams are good but not great and have things to move in return for Siakam that the Raptors may be interested in. And those three teams are, number one, the Warriors, package based around Wiggins and some draft assets. Maple Jordan to Canada. Any initial thoughts on that? I mean, Wiggins is like a, is a national disappointment. So I don't think it, like, you know, maybe some people would be a little excited about Wiggins coming back, but you know, his, his like, he's, he's lost a lot of Canadian cred with his like being the least interested national team player. Like he just, he just doesn't, he's, he's literally said out loud, like, I don't really feel like committing to every summer. That seems like a bit much. It's just like, like, but, but why, what do you got? What do you got going on Wiggs? Yeah. He's how old is Wiggins now? Because that's like it's, he's still think, like not he's still only like twenty six or something. He's like not that old. <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad fit next to Barnes. If we're like Wiggins is Wiggins is twenty eight. Okay, he's older than I and he turn and he turns twenty nine soon. So I don't like I don't see him as a a Wiggins who cares is. A very good rebounder and a extremely versatile defender. The problem this is, is how often does that ball. happen? <laughs> yeah. One one finals, one awesome finals run. He's had some good regular season games play. where the team has been like, hey, we, we really need you to like guard Kawhi tonight. And he like does a pretty good job. Yeah. But yeah, when he's not locked in, it's it can be rough. 
he needs a lot of he needs to be put in a defensive system that is like really clear cut what he's what's expecting to do. You cannot let Wiggins improvise or freelance at all. Like yeah. you need to be in his ear, being like, "Remember to keep playing basketball. Remember to keep playing basketball." If if you're going up against a team that has a star level wing, which who's trying to isolate a lot, Wiggins is great. But yeah. if you're asking yeah. him to make a lot of rotations off ball and stuff, maybe not so much. Yeah, I don't see him really moving the needle in, in this trade package, and I don't see because yeah, like obviously Kaminga's the other one to to think about there, but he's yeah, bad fit with Scotty Barnes too. So it's just like I, I I see why I think Siakam would be brilliant in in Golden State. Oh yeah, no, the Warriors um, should definitely be interested, but I I agree. I don't know if the Raptors are getting, and I don't think the Raptors are a team that are like all that interested in getting a bunch of picks unless they want ammo for the next trade. Yeah. Now I can see like Wiggins picks Pajemski as being potentially interesting if they're high on Pajemski and the picks were like had the right protections on them or whatever, especially because this team is about to like fall apart. (laughs) Like, you know, when Curry's done, this team is done probably, or like it's, who knows, anything can happen in the NBA, but like their picks would be seen as valuable, I think. I'm not crazy about it though for the Raptors. I like it for Golden State. All right, the next team that is really lacking a, a versatile big like Siakam and maybe a little bit of juice as well, the Kings. You know, some kind of package based around Harrison Barnes, salaries, a bunch of picks. Davion Mitchell could be thrown in there. Yep. Does that do I anything mean, I, for you as a as the Raptors re- representative on this podcast? Well, I'm thinking about it at first from the Kings' perspective, where it's like, in theory, I like the idea of, of Sabonis and, and Siakam. I think they like fit well together. It really depends if Siakam's defense is going to bounce back. Like again, that like low rim protection number, I feel is, is like not a great fit next to Sabonis. Now he's versatile enough that you can play him as a wing if you have the right players next to him. But you need another shooter in the front court to really pull that off. Well, so are we so going Sabonis, Siakam, I... and Keegan Murray? Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean Keegan Murray's a great catch and shoot player. I I gotta well, say like year. I gotta say like De'Aaron Fox's shooting ability has like is like really on another level at this point. Yeah, he's up to like eight attempts per game and shooting like almost forty percent. Yeah, right? he's turned into like a legitimately pretty great shooter. So like in the past, I would have maybe concerns with Fox on the court with those two, but not so much anymore if uh, the ball is in Siakam's hands. I think the thing that's really actually nice here is is like. Siakam and Fox in transition is just like that's two of the fastest players at their positions in the NBA. Like that's that oh, would yeah, be definitely. And the Kings are already a problem. You have to put a lot of resources into making like we saw with the Warriors in the playoffs last year. Like number one thing was to was to make sure the Kings don't get to run. Like they had to put everything yeah. into that. It was like number one thing was just like run back on D. Never even touch the offensive glass. You're not Kevon Looney, and so. Siakam making them even more dangerous in that regard is pretty interesting. I think Keegan Murray is also a pretty good transition player, but I don't think Siakam comes in here and plugs a whole lot of plugs, any of the holes, but I do think he makes them better at what they're already good at and that he's adding speed and passing and Mm -hmm. some rim pressure and some like ball handling at his position. So I like that one. Now for the Raptors, it's unclear. Maybe some defense. Maybe some defense, yeah. Yeah. Question mark there. Yeah. I think Murray like, might have to be going back in this trade, though. 
Yeah, that's true. Like Harrison Barnes is nothing. Like that's not like from a, like sorry Harrison Barnes, that was very rude. You're you're a good player. You're having a good season. You're as rock solid as like a veteran combo forward as there is out there. But as a trade asset, like we're talking about a 31 year old role player. Yeah. Like that's not a that's like he's he's salary in this context. Kevin Herter, they already have Grady Dick, but like Kevin Herter's interesting. Malik Monk could still be interesting. These are players closer to to Barnes's age. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm starting to like this trade less for the Kings because if you're trading another really important role, oh, you liked player, it. You liked it when they traded nothing. To the <laughs> well, now yeah, they're trading it's, something. It's, it's a little bit less great for the well, Kings. Well, it's the Kings are like not that deep, man. I, yeah, I agree. That's why it's so hard to structure a Kings trade. It's like because. If you have to trade multiple rotation guys and you're only getting back one, it's like suddenly the the team is a lot less well rounded. Yeah, they got they got six really solid guys, and then you get into kind of like specialists who do things that are useful for them, like Trey Lyles and Davion Mitchell. I know that Davion Mitchell might seem like well, he, he like Davion Mitchell's good. Like that's like what, what's the, he's got a cool nickname, he's Off Nights. That's a cool nickname, but uh, he's like he's basically a nothing on yeah, offense. I think it's yeah. his nickname um, because he has a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 the real real off night here. So yeah, it's like, you know, they got so, some other random extra young guys like like Kobe Jones, but that's like he's not an asset at this point. Jalen Slauson, like same thing. So yeah, let's let's move on to the next one cuz I, I don't I don't see what the what the Kings had to send back for this. Yeah, I think outside uh, of pick. Outside of picks and that's like a separate it's like less exciting to discuss what pick packages right. they did send back. Now, the, the big one is definitely the Pacers. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's what the, are the Pacers it's, back? It's the team A that has the most obvious need, I feel like. Obi Toppin, despite his defensive improvements this season, I think is not not quite cutting it. It's a team that's just so small, and you realize this on every night. And it's a team that really desperately lacks another playmaker, I think is their biggest weakness. I mean, he basically filled – Siakam would fill all the – like would do all the things Obi Toppin does not quite the same level of explosive, like, like lob catcher, but like still a good finisher in his own right. And, and cutter and, and, and speedster does all those things that Obi Toppin does and then adds uh rebounding physicality, defense and playmaking being the big one that you're talking about. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, just it's like, a great fit for the Pacers. And the most important ingredient in any trade with the Raptors is having a token Canadian to send back, which the Pacers have in Benedict Matherin. And maybe some people are like, oh, we can't, like, Matherin's our best young player. We can't send him back. Like, Matherin has struggled again this season. And Carlisle hates him. So. Yeah, and he, well, he's the kind of player that Carlisle does tend to hate. Like, boneheaded decision yeah. makers are, like, are, are Carlisle's, like, absolute like pet peeve or or, now, or they could also send back nimhart but i don't know two token canadians oh, Maturin is a little bit more of a canadian sounding name yes eggs benny they've i mean lots of interesting pieces there from 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 nimhart to eggs benny buddy healed wants a trade and mm-hmm. like um after that ah, the jairus walker is sitting there not playing but i i, I think they're probably still invested in him long term yeah, I mean, I think there's the ingredients here. Do you see? Is there a, is this website giving you the, something the one specific? that they're telling me is healed, Toppin, Walker, and Nemhard, and no picks? I don't think the no picks is realistic. You probably have to, and the Pacers have all their draft picks, so they could throw in whatever they need to to make it happen. I mean, that's like that is still like an interesting mix of players, though. Oh yeah, 
No, I mean, I, but, I like it from the Raptors' side of things better than yeah. the other two options for sure. I mean, Heald is obviously a good fit in Toronto, I would say. Obi Toppin, I'm a, I'm a little bit less sure about, but I mean, he just he just adds an extra element of of like vertical dynamism <laughs> that I think they're they're lacking a little bit, and he's he's a he's a decent transition player as well. I think he's I think he's an okay rotation player in the NBA. Just like yeah, some of the holes are are concerning. Uh, Indiana also has some as an extra. Oh, not really. They've got this one first round draft pick that's like the least favorable of Oklahoma City, Houston, LA Clippers, or Utah in this upcoming draft. Which so I mean, optically you have to get draft picks back for a star player. So they could give the Raptors that one, and and the Raptors would be like, we got a draft pick. But then again, none of the teams in that group are that good so like it's like the, the clippers end up well okc's okay, in there right so that, that's not going to be in a lot of no oh right so okay is right the it, yeah okc will be the least favorable one so that like is that. Uh, yeah so you're basically getting a late first round that's that's a that's a late first round draft pick unless mm-hmm. things change for okc and even like houston and the clippers have still have a chance to be good this year uh, it's not too um, late it, it's not too late for Shay to have a fake injury and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tank from the top. <laughs> no, okay, OKC is here to stay. Also, OKC was a team that I thought would be interested in Siakam. Okay, I mean, I, I kind of see it. It's a chance to add size. He, he fits their style. He doesn't help their shooting, which I think is a, a glaring thing they do need to address at some point. But no, I like Indiana. I like Siakam in Indiana. I love Siakam next to Halliburton. Sounds too fun. I'd love to see what he can do as a more full-time finisher that I'm like secondary playmaker. I guess Dort would be the Canadian going back. In the OKC deal, yeah, yeah. They only have one token Canadian. That's not enough nowadays. Well, SG, SG is the other Canadian, but you can't trade him. Um, yeah, I mean, that is the player that the Raptors fan base is, is by far uh, the horniest for. Is Dagno? Is, is he Canadian? Not as far as I know. <laughs> and Aaron Wiggins is not either. Yeah, no other Canadians here. So, good thing they got Dort. We fulfilled that obligation yeah. of the trade. All right, anyone, like, let's, so, like, because, I mean, we didn't talk as much about DeMar DeRozan going out. I think he's like when we were talking about Chicago trades, I think he's a weird, very weird player to trade because he's older. He's like really highly regarded in the league. He is an awkward fit on basically every team in existence because of his lack of an outside shot and lack of defense and is the necessity of him operating in the middle of the floor which is a place where other stars like to operate. So it's hard to just plop DeRozan down into any offense and be like, this will, it's like, I'm, I'm not quite sure where there's a good fit for him that doesn't have someone doing what he's doing that can also take the hit to the spacing and the defense. It's just a, it's a tricky equation. And I'm very curious to see if he'll end up somewhere. Yeah, I mean, on this site, most of the proposed DeRozan teams have him going to either the 76ers, which I think makes no sense, or the Clippers, which... Clippers would be so, hilarious, like, and, like, and, and, of, and yes, they would do something like this, but, yeah. like, but that's, like, too silly to entertain at this point on this podcast. <laughs> like, I, like, yeah, I just, I look up and down and I don't, but I'm also really low on DeRozan, like, so, t- like, p- people that are more optimistic about the sort of scoring punch he could provide maybe see him as a better fit in some of these places i just don't see it like he's such a like you got to give demar the ball on the wing or in the high post and let him have the whole middle of the floor to do stuff and he does stuff there pretty well but if he's going to it like with the sixers that's where they like to put mb and you're gonna i don't see him 
I don't see DeMar DeRozan running dribble handoffs or like or shaking free off and beat action and doing it. I don't know. It's just kind of awkward. Yeah, maybe only, Philly is still the best. Spot I don't know. The only team I could kind of envision maybe a little bit is Cleveland, just because they're already awesome on defense and they just struggle. But they can't so take much. the shooting hit. Yeah, I know. They just struggle so much to score in the half court, <laughs> even with with the shooting that they currently have. So, but like the the way that DeRozan has been able to score so well in Chicago and in San Antonio was by having like the bigs get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like Vooch has to get out of the way so DeMar DeRozan can do stuff in the middle of the floor. Yeah. So like what like 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 Cleveland doesn't have that option. So There's I think really that'd not be a like, great trade for him. And then you're putting a really weak wing defender next to two smaller guards. And asking the bigs to just cover up everything, so it's just like I think like that's that's a team I think that actually points out his like the the difficulty of the DeRozan fit the most because of the things he takes off the table. Yeah, and in LA, like that's where LeBron likes to be. <laughs> like you're gonna put you're gonna put LeBron and DeRozan, <laughs> yeah, like in the middle of the floor, yeah. like like have, having his passing options open and playmaking from there. Like is a better pull up player than LeBron, but LeBron does everything else better. Yeah, and, and Rui. Rui also likes to operate. Damn, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I remember thinking similar things when they when they signed Rui. It's like, eh, this is like this is awkward. But he found some footing as like a finisher and like strong body on defense for them. Yeah. All right. Let's um, let's I, let's move on from the Bulls yeah. Raptors sadness. Yeah. Um, there's a few other teams that we can kind of go over more briefly that are are struggling, right? And these mm-hmm. are teams that are more in the in the tanking race potentially or could get into it i I suppose with a trade so the main main teams we're talking about here are detroit i mean they don't have to do anything they can just stay put and they're already in pole position for the number one pick we got utah charlotte with i think especially with the lamella ball injury and washington you know all four of these teams are struggling to various degrees could be sellers certainly all of them have at least one like interesting veteran on the roster that they that could be moved. Detroit with Bogdanovich, Utah has a, has a bunch of guys. Charlotte, I think Hayward and Washington. The the extension that they gave to Kuzma is tradable soon. Any thoughts on any of those teams? Let's go through them. Like let's go through them quick one by one, and like just like let's name those veterans and okay. and think about who would be the thirstiest for them. So starting with Detroit, the who has lost. 20 games in a row and are now like we have to start talking about the records that they're going to set for being the worst team of all time, which is crazy because last year was Detroit's worst season ever. And it's like, well, this is the low point and, and Detroit's not nah, hold my beer. I, I, I can, I can keep going, baby. So the veterans that they have, that would be interesting. I mean, it starts with Bogdan Bogdanovich, who has recently oh, yeah. returned from injury. Now the thing, and he's 34 years old, so he's probably interested in playing for a better team than the worst team of all time. However, Monty Williams and you know any Detroit analyst like knows how starved for spacing this team is and how much it just ruins everything when they don't have shooting on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I think they're actually going to be reluctant to flip Boyan Bogdanovich. I hope I didn't say Bogdan earlier. It's Boyan Bogdanovich. You did say Bogdan, but... Oh, I'm so sorry. This is like the worst mistake I've ever made, mixing up Boyan Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They're they're different people. 
they are i've always said that boyan bogdanovich is like his brand power is so diluted by the presence of bogdan bogdanovich like boyan bogdanovich seems like a fun name and again it's a hold my beer situation because bogdan's got a way more fun name it's just like his name basically mocks boyan's it's just like it's not even, even that interesting anyways i i think they'd be reluctant to trade him without without feeling like they've got shooting on the roster to put out around their young prospects. Can't really call them stars yet because they're not playing like it. But like, you know, you already have Osser out there who's who's just going to murder your spacing. Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran and Osser Thompson are both arguably the most important young Pistons, like depending on how you feel about Cade Cunningham, who's the most accomplished of the young guys. And so you already have your non-shooters locked up. You need shooting from every other position. Isaiah Stewart is kind of shooting. Isaiah Stewart feels like a veteran that they would be willing to trade. He's only 22 years old, so I just don't know if there's much of a how much of a market there would be for him. He's kind of an interesting utility big who does a little bit of everything, but nothing well enough to get anyone like trading much for him, I think. And then the Killian Hayes can't shoot either, and, and Monty Williams has really tried to give Killian Hayes a lot of minutes this year. He is a really interesting passer and defender, but this is just the worst like roster situation for him to be on if he is an NBA player. And therefore, like Alex Burks, I guess, is the other one they can trade, but that's their other spacer. So it's like, yikes. Yeah, I mean, I think if they make a move, it's probably going to be more something around the margins, you know, like moving Joe Harris or something like that. They're probably probably not going to make a big splashy move, especially if they don't want to move off of um, which I'm forgetting which one. <laughs> Bogdan. Boyan. Boyan. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, Boyan. If they. <laughs> great. Now we're even. The cro- um, Croatian Bogdan. If they hit that one. Who would chase. Which team would chase Boyan the hardest, though? If there's a contender out there. Well, I don't know about the contender. I would, I'd say like a team like the Grizzlies probably needs him the most. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to go. They're not going to move assets to succeed this season. You think they're just I can, done this season? Not going to try to sneak in into the play-in? And... I mean, we'll see how the first, like, 10 games of Jaws return go and before I would completely, like, seal the... You know, they're 6-16, six and 16 and the NBA is really competitive. It's going to be pretty hard to push back into the play-in, I think. That being yeah. said, like, the couple of teams that are ahead of them right now are, are chaseable. But yeah. Golden State's trying to turn things around as well. So it's just, like, it's a steep, steep hill for them to climb right now because they are what they're 11 games back of the ones so that means they're like you know six games back already of the play-in that's like eh. i mean there's been bigger swings but again like i like I'll, I'll i won't bury them until we see jaw coming back but it's not looking good i'd be surprised if they traded for a veteran to salvage this season he's and and, and boyan is is 34 i think that the the timberwolves and thunder would sniff around him Okay. As well as the, the Lakers, just like teams that could really use it. We're going to mention the Lakers for every trade, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We should, we'll do a quick, we'll do, we'll, we'll visit the Lakers a little more formally at the end of this list of bad teams. But yes, the Lakers will pursue every single one of the players that we're going to mention on every single one of these bad teams. Yeah. I'd also think that, I think the Celtics, they have almost nothing to trade. They don't have outgoing salaries to really match with anyone like outside of their top six players they just don't have tradable salary but i know the celtics would love to add another rotation piece so Mm. i don't know how they would do it but i like they would they will they will try they would love to just extend their rotation with one more Mm. like high quality player yeah oh let's go let's let's keep going let's go to let's go to utah 
the jazz. Making that sweet jazz. 26th in offense, 26th in defense. Man, this team is bad this year. They've got some interesting young players that should probably play more. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it would be nice to see Taylor Hendricks. I haven't heard really great things coming out of the organization about him, but they're, they've got some pretty interesting tradable pieces in Jordan Clarkson, John Collins, Lowry Markinen, Kelly Olenek. That's probably where the list ends, right? Like in terms of veterans. Yeah. I'm not like, Unless you're a big Simone Fontecchio fan, which he's actually playing okay this year. Yeah, Anyways, no, I am. Um, <laughs> I, no, that's probably a, too much of a deep cut. Let's start with Markkinen because Markkinen is probably, if he's available, he's probably the best available player in the league, like arguably, or he's in the state. Like he, I think right, he's just like, yeah. he's, he's as good as Siakam. I say he's having a better season than Siakam this year. And he's such a incredible dual wielder as a finisher in terms of like aggressive rim finishing and outside shooting mm-hmm. wrapped up in a, in a seven foot body that loves to run and can move his feet a little bit on defense. Yeah. I no, think he's, he's that's pretty what... decent on defense. He's, you know, probably not the best ball handler or passer. I think actually, actually you think I like to compare him to Jalen Brown. Obviously it's not like yeah, yeah. the best comparison, but like, no, I think it's a great comparison. <laughs> he's yeah. He's a, he's a pure, he's pure like scoring pressure without there's and and like decent on ball defender and doesn't kind of have any of the ancillary skills doesn't like is like he's a very simple set like not quite one dimensional but like the skill set is like is his strengths are very concentrated Mm -hmm. and there's not a whole lot of versatility there no it's it's a really great player to have on a on a reasonable contract yeah and i think like the teams that have like the teams that don't need the ball handling would like you know, I just think Markinen would crush it there. I just think, like, like man, it's it's hard to trade Markinen. Uh, yeah, and I or don't think I haven't him. heard a lot of interest, but like Danny Ainge would would trade Markinen for. But I think you'd need to send back a lot. And there's one team that has a lot to send back. Is it OKC again? Taylor. Yes, I mean, it's just like this seems like the most obvious trade in the NBA to me is like Markinen on OKC playing next to Chad, get, solving Giddy. their size issues, solving their spacing issues. I don't like they can yeah whether it's whether it's giddy whether it's like I trade I trade anything besides their top three players and but I think they can get it done with mostly draft capital. Yeah, I mean, I think Giddy would have to have to be involved in the deal, uh, which means the Jazz would have to be high on Giddy. I mean, obviously they need a player like Giddy. <laughs> uh, that it's kind of yeah. like what their offense is desperately lacking, and OKC yeah. could just could just unload the picks right. They could just open the coffers. Yeah, Danny Ainge would have the time of his life asking for more and more picks. Like he, this yeah. would be the most trader Danny playground imaginable. But yeah. we've talked about this in the past, so I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too long. But that just seems like, like a huge obvious one. He'd be amazing in in like uh, Dallas as well. I don't think they've got the the tools to trade for him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say LA. They don't have like, but I don't think too many teams can trade for Markinen. He's too like he's too valuable. Yeah, it would have to be a team that can like provide a lot of value without trading like a star player. And there's not many teams like that other than OKC. Yeah. You know, it'd have to be like a young, very promising player, lots of draft assets. Um, Yeah. What about the other guys? Do you think anyone would chase after John Collins having like a, like, you know, mini bounce back season or at least proving to people that he's like, can still play basketball shooting the three ball. All right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, I think he'd be a great fit in Dallas. I, I would love to see the Mavericks oh, yeah. pursue John Collins. I mean, he could play the the role that Derek Jones Jr. is playing. Yeah, just I think Derek Jones Jr. is a little bit more useful on defense, but yeah. Well, John Collins has the size, and he had some good defensive moments in Atlanta. 
Yeah, not a lot of great length there. Like not much of a rim protector, and uh, not quite a not quite a wing defender. He's solid, but I don't think he really moves the needle. You think anyone will chase Jordan Clarkson, or is it kind of just like a little bit too late? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's another one. Who wants a gun? Who wants a gunner? Who's looking for just like a pure gunner with with some like okay passing skills? I feel like the passing skills really popped the last two years, but then they to me they got overrated immediately because he's still just like turning the ball over like he's like. Like crazy, he's throwing nice passes, but he's, I don't think he's actually become an efficient playmaker by any stretch of imagination. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot around Jordan Clarkson that I would be all that excited about. Yeah, I mean, it, I, if a team could grab him on the cheap or just like for a pick, I could see him being a nice fit in like in like Denver or like there's there's teams that could use some a little bit of extra punch, but nothing that exciting. Let's do Charlotte next. Sure, because Charlotte's veterans gordon hayward we've talked about a little bit but since i said nice things about gordon hayward he kind of fell off the map in terms of just like went through another bout of that kind of weird loss of confidence where he just doesn't look comfortable scoring like he kind of reminded me a little bit of like post-injury gordon hayward again he stayed healthy relatively healthy this season which is great he's played he's only missed one game i still think he could help a team as a glue guy with his sort of like passing and strength but he's lost the drives to the basket which take away this like high-end offensive value and he doesn't shoot a lot of threes either so he's sort of this mercurial in-between guy i still think he could help a contender and he's he's gettable can i just say i really love charlotte fans because they see like a lot of value and significance and like relatively small things (laughs) <laughs> I'm, just, I'm looking at this. I want to explain this. why. There, there's a there's a whole essay written about how the uh, Hornets should trade for Dorian Finney-Smith. <laughs> oh, amazing! I love it. Yeah. Love it for Nick Richards, Book Knight, and JT Thor. I love this trade. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think that's a totally fine, reasonable trade that probably helps. Charlotte, I mean, certainly. If the only thing is that like JT Thor and Book Knight might just not be NBA players at all, so it's like, what do you actually really what are, like? But Nick Richards is pretty good. He's a he's a really really solid backup center. Yeah, I love the center position is strong in Charlotte. Charlotte's another team where they feel kind of well built. They're just not very good. Building around these like no defense guards is tough. Hayward to the Pacers. I know the Pacers had a thing for Hayward a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're they're um, like competing with Charlotte to sign him, and he's still like he's solid ish on defense like i do think on a team that's that bad at defense i think he helps a little bit hey we're to the sixers we talked about that earlier this season yeah Um, yeah i really like that one like that as long as the sixers aren't giving up too much yeah miami is another place where i think he could like just really fit into the bam and jimmy thing hey we're to the warriors yeah i mean he's got that he's got the chris paul hayward swap yeah gives them some size on the wing fits into their like sort of like passing and movement ethos mm-hmm. i think he makes them freeze up the back I think, backup point guard position for pods yeah another guy that is fairly likely to be traded and this is a little bit more controversial is is miles bridges because he's basically said he's not going to resign in, in charlotte yeah which i thought was a weird move he's actually Char- charlotte having... hasn't been lenient enough with him they haven't given him enough chances yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know what things are like internally, but anyway, I don't want to get into what sucks about Miles Bridges because a lot sucks about Miles Bridges, but he is having a very good NBA season, is a monster athlete and finisher who can shoot the basketball. You get bad press for trading for him and, and you, 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 you know, deserve it maybe. But a team that what we said about marketing into the finisher, Miles Bridges kind of also fits into that Jalen Brown comp. So he's an interesting, interesting piece potentially that could be on the move coming out of Charlotte and 
you know, I guess they could like move on and I'd like to see more minutes for both Brandon Miller and PJ Washington. So Miles Bridges to the Suns. Yeah. I mean, fits the bill and his ability to like play off ball and inject athleticism. I haven't watched enough Charlotte's games to have a handle on like a recent update on Miles Bridges defense. I was never super high on it, but it wasn't ever like bad. He just wasn't like, he wasn't really a, the wing stopper that his athletic profile would suggest it was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not having, it's not, it's not that fun to talk about <laughs> Miles Bridges. It's got this like sh- shadow hanging over it. So let's go to our last team, which is Washington, which I yeah. feel only has one interesting no, that's not true. I take that back because there's Kyle Kuzma, who's the first person that comes to mind. But Daniel Gafford is an excellent oh, young yeah. rim protector. Oh, I, I think also they've got DeLon Wright, who's been hurt this year, but is a tremendous point of attack defender with really good passing savvy. You're forget Tyus. And Tyus Jones. That's like, that. yeah, that's just like a super rock solid. It's the return that like, they got for Porzingis. So they got to... You know, yeah. I, I don't think Tyus Jones, I mean, if he's not a long-term <laughs> part of their future, like they got to move off him this season if they want anything yeah. in return um, for Kristaps. For yeah. So who needs that? Who needs, like, because who needs a, another point guard? Well. The Lakers. The Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers definitely <laughs> do. That would be an obvious one. The Spurs, but they, they already have a, they already have a Jones, Jones brother. The, the Heat, once again. Yeah. Not Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, Tyus is kind of an interesting fit, right? Because he's he's small. He's not a guy who's going to be taking threes off of the dribble. He's just like a really steady hand. He's like really stout defensively, but obviously can't. Not super versatile. Yeah. So like what teams need like a, a guy that's kind of in that mold, I, I guess. I'm going to go with my Minnesota Timberwolves on this one. I think like okay. Conley's super old and and Conley's indispensable to the success they have. And Tyus Jones is, would make an ideal replacement if they have the assets to go out and get him. They probably can't afford him. I don't know. Like what's Tyus Jones making right now? 14. Um, and he's not an expired. I mean, I don't, if, if they could see him as a, as a long-term replacement for Conley, I think it would be a good idea. It's really hard okay. to project Minnesota moves because of like the, the incoming massive contracts that they've like handed out for everyone like can they really add salary in a sense but like i do think that the fit is very nice there yeah no i like it too milwaukee desperately needs a backup point guard that might be an interesting one yeah they're they're kind of they're kind of tapped out of trade assets though so yeah and i feel like if they're gonna i feel like they'd be smarter to chase just any kind of perimeter defense or any kind of wing defense like I think they're going to be able to, like, you know, they've got, like, Campaign has showed up. Campaign's actually been playing pretty well for them okay. in the backup role. Like, he's been shooting the ball solidly and eliminating, I don't know. Like, I, th- I think they've got bigger holes that they would address if, if they can even enter the trade market. So the other, um, the other big one is Kuzma. Yeah. And Kuzma's just, like, a versatile guy that gives you, like, he fits some of the, he's kind of, like, Siakam light in that he gives you a lot of, like, sort of, like, versatility, transition offense, playmaking, solid, like, perimeter defense, even if he's not, like, a really amazing help defender. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you know, any team would add a Kuzma. It's more like what team can add him at the current contract that he's on, and I think that's a bit of a, a tougher one. He's also, like, not a very good shooter. He'll shoot the ball, but, like, it's not something he's ever been amazing at so he's not like a perfectly clean fit as like someone who plugs a hole but he increases like he gives you a little bit of size and a lot of versatility so yeah i mean he is on a declining contract which i thought yeah. a really nice move by the wizards to, he's not even making 20 million 
I think he'd be so fun in Philly in that dribble handoff offense. Like, mm-hmm. like Kuzma just kind of, I think he'd fit in really well to that. Like, kind of like what Ubre was doing, but just with like, you know, better passing chops. Yeah. Another possible, like, I don't think OKC would be that interested, but like positionally he would fit in there pretty well. Yeah. But should we talk about the buyers, the biggest potential buyers here? I mean, yeah. you sort of identified them by bringing them up repeatedly, but you, you you brought up how you thought, you brought up one team that you thought very desperately needed to do something. Yeah. I think the team that is the clearest, just like non-starter, like we've tried, we tried running it back and it, it isn't really working still is Cleveland. And that we, I think we discussed Cleveland, our first podcast of the season, how just like, in the half court, their offense doesn't really make any sense. They're just incredibly mediocre at everything. They don't really do anything well at all. And Donovan Mitchell's going <laughs> to leave if you don't, you know, like have a legitimate chance of contending. So you got to do something, I feel like. Yeah, for a while, it it, it was, I think there's just a hope that things would sort of balance out and they get back to what they're doing in the regular season last year. And they haven't been bad this season, but they have been mediocre enough to cause the concerns that you're talking about. The three-point shooting is quite poor. Their net rating, they're just, they're just, they've just been average. They don't like, like the one underrated bad thing about the big man pairing is they just don't really generate corner threes at all because of how their spacing works. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it makes their like, you think of like, oh, like you th- people tend to think of spacing in a sort of like basic way where like here are the non-shooters and here are the shooters. So that is your spacing. But the kind of like where those players need to stand on the floor to be effective is going to change that. And, and that results in just like them being like a team that just doesn't really get corner threes because how they can't really stash guys in the corner if they always need a player in the high post and the dunker spot. So that just makes everything kind of difficult for everyone. Yeah. And they're kind uh, the of, defense is still nice. They're but, getting good shots. Like they get to the rim a ton. Um, and, you know, like they're, they're pretty decent. Well, I guess their free throw rate isn't that high, you know, like, but they're, they're getting like decent shots. They're not like at the bottom of the league in a three point rate. They're, you know, near the middle and, you know, ton of shots at the rim. They have shooters. Middle of the pack, three point rate. You know, you have shooters. You expect that to be a defense, a decent offense. And they're, they're just not, they're just, they're below average. They're like bottom five in, in off-ball points per possession. They're 23rd in half-court points per possession. They're uh, average in their pick-and-roll game. They're they're absolutely they're almost dead last in, in post-ups. There's just like not a lot of like, like, there's just nothing this team does super well on offense despite having two really dynamic offensive guards, like two of the better offensive guards in the NBA, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. So, yeah, I do think they need to shake things up add something but i don't know what that is (laughs) yeah they're kind of tapped out of picks to trade unless they want to go really deep into the future and then you know they have kind of their core four players and unless you're breaking that up they don't really have you know player actual player assets that would be all that appealing in a trade package either I wonder. I wonder if the like everyone wants to break. I'm you know you know that I'm like very anti breaking up Allen and Mobley, but I do wonder if internally there must be a growing camp in Cleveland that that if they continue to struggle or just be kind of mediocre, there will that will become a more appealing desperate way to get out of their situation. Well, let, let me ask you this: Would you rather break up the bigs or the guards? If if this is just untenable, there's. There's no way that this is going to be a good offense the way it's currently constructed. Which direction would you rather go in? 
Oh man, I hate this question because I, 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 I mean, I'm so committed to the bigs, but I really thought that Mobley would be shooting the ball better at this point in his career. Yeah. So I, I am now for the first time entertaining that Allen and Mobley could not be tenable, but I don't find that Mitchell and Garland are particularly dynamic together. They always feel like they're taking yeah. turns rather than sort of mm-hmm. than, than playing off each other and that their success has to come at the expense of the other. And I think they're both like such incredible offensive guards that that feels like a shame. I, and I think like, yeah, I mean, what could like, what could you get for Donovan Mitchell at this point? You know, his contract is coming up expiring, but you can still probably bring back a lot for him, but yeah, his... you can still get a nice return. And if the idea is like, Hey, he's going to walk, like he's going to leave. <laughs> so you're not necessarily like having to get absolute maximum juice from the squeeze in order to consider it like a, a good trade. If you just can yeah. like, improve the fit of the team, make the half-court offense a little bit more tenable. I mean, the other thing is, like, Donovan Mitchell, he's, like, a, a decent playmaker sometimes, but, like, he's he's mostly looking for his own shot, and he's very willing to take difficult looks. I, I certainly think that's a part of not not blaming him for Cleveland's half-court offensive woes, but I think that certainly plays into it. His, his style of play results in a lot of possessions where there's not a lot of ball movement and there's, you know, a, a tough, contested look at the rim taken or you know, pull up mid range shot. And that's, that's not even related to the bigs necessarily. That's just kind of his, his style. Yeah. I, I think it's easier to imagine a, an elite offense sort of like orchestrated by Darius Garland than it is like though Donovan Mitchell, we've seen be the best player on some tremendous offenses in Utah, a uh, bit of like a strange like system and a unique kind of roster construction there that was like set up for him to succeed. And I do think that like a lot of the criticisms of his game that he had in Utah, he kind of like addressed when he first got to Cleveland, but things have like backslid a little bit in terms of his like interior passing. And, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's like more like, would you agree that Evan Mobley is the player they're least likely to trade? No, so, I would say Garland. Garland is the least likely. You think they're well, like Garland and Mobley are like one A, one B in some order. Yeah, I just always felt they were sort of more invested on on Mobley, but I'm I don't know what I'm basing that off of. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's realistic for them to trade either of those two players. Like, I I think it's definitely Mitchell purely because of the kind of offensive style play factors that I mentioned, as well as uh, mm-hmm. the fact that he may just. I don't like only Cleveland would know this internally, but it, he may just be completely unwilling to extend, or they may get some indication from him that an extension is unlikely to happen, right? And if that was if if that's the case, like if he's willing to extend, he's like I'm committed long term. Yeah, you probably want to try to make it work, but if he's not, it's it's definitely better to get something from Mitchell than nothing. And then Allen is has got to be like the other the other major option. Okay, so I'm going to answer your question about which about whether I'd rather break up the, the front court or the back court. I want to break up but at the same time. <laughs> yes. I, okay. I want like if, if they're gonna do a shake up and, and retool, it's gonna be around Garland and Mobley and they're gonna trade Mitchell and Jared Allen. Um, shake up the snowball. And yeah. Okay. So like who are they getting in return for this? Uh, I mean they're only gonna do this if they're getting a lot, if they're if they're able to trade both for the sort of like because I mean Garland and Mobley are still like extremely young. Allen's pretty young himself, but he's the oldest of that trio. Donovan Mitchell is a few years older. And if you're gonna go do some I'm like I don't think they should do something crazy. But if they want to do something crazy, I think, I think, yeah, trade them both. I'm not saying you trade them both in the same deal. You can make two different deals for them. But you bring back 
another big who fits better with Mobley in terms of just like being able to run a more like normal offense and you bring back uh, bigger players to put next to Garland in the backcourt and you keep Struess. I think you use Struess at the shooting guard and you want to get Mitchell and you want to, I think you want to get like two useful wings and a big and maybe some of your draft capital back. No, I could see that. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm bring back marketing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Arkanen would be a great fit here. <laughs> yeah, I've heard Cleveland fans say that like, we traded the wrong big. There might be some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would break up the backcourt sooner than I'd break up the front court, but one of the two I feel like needs to happen probably this season just due to the kind of impending nature of the Mitchell contract decision. Like, you got to... Yeah. You got it. It's not. Don't don't do don't do a Masai and just like lose your best player for nothing. Yeah, no. doing a Masai. <laughs> damn, I'm kidding. Well, he's 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 done it a couple times now. So, but you had the Pelicans on this list. What what do you think makes the Pelicans buyers? Well, I mean, I just think they have like a lot of interesting pieces, and there just isn't like there's not enough. There's just not enough rotation time. I I feel like they got seven or eight guys that they want to give thirty minutes a night to, and I just think you need to do a little bit of consolidation here. So you have them as like buyer sellers. You have them as like who? Yeah, who do you like? I mean, I've I've got. I think their core is, you know, I, I want to be keeping Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, and Zion and Herb Jones. And after that, I'm I become very flexible moving guys around on this roster. They have such crazy depth as we always talk about when the Pelicans come up. But it's like, what do you think that they're missing, or what's the fit piece that you'd want to see coming back? Well, that's what that's what's really hard to decide with the Pelicans because they're like pretty good at every position. There's not like an obvious hole other than rim protection, I guess. But there's not really very many elite <laughs> versatile shooting rim protecting centers on the market. So no. Like the the kind of player that they like most desperately need, I just don't think is is really available at all. But yeah, I mean, I mostly agree with their core. So like you know, CJ Ingram are kind of the guys where like you know you have large money committed to them. They're a little bit old. I mean, Ingram's still only twenty five though. Like he's not that old. Yeah, well, twenty six. Twenty six. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some there are some guys that aren't like necessarily a part of their young core who are making lots of money, have a very large role in the team. And you, you have to decide at some point if this is what you're moving forward with or not. Trey Murphy just came back. So, like, that's that's really a squeeze now on the minutes, right? Because Najee Marshall had been playing a lot. Dyson Daniels has been playing a ton of minutes. Jordan Hawkins has been playing a ton of minutes. And, like, with Trey Murphy back, like, those guys are just going to be, especially Hawkins and Daniels, are going are to have reduced roles. And you don't want them to because, like, those guys are really good. Yeah. I mean... Do you see them if they were to do a if they were to trade? Would you like to just see them like get younger, like you know, essentially like try to move CJ and Jonas Valanciunas for for like you know for younger players that or or assets for the future, or would you like to see them trade a couple of their young guys for like one more like star that fits or something like that? Because they've got they they're also a team that has extra assets in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the tough one because there aren't necessarily like a there's not like a, a primo star on the market at the moment where you can really go all in and trade for the guy and expect hit them to be one of their your top couple of players. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention them for, you know, in any of the, the gettable people we brought up. We didn't mention New Orleans as like a, a landing place for Levine or Siakam or... Yeah, I'm obviously... Just, 
I more just OG wanted to anywhere, I wanted to bring up the Pelicans. I I don't have an answer for like who they should be targeting. I don't even have an answer for like who they should be sending out. This is more just like bringing up the idea like if there's a consolidation trade available, if you can get like a really good high end role player on a long term deal, trade two guys for one, improve a little bit. This would be like a, a team I'd, I'd think about that happening. Or maybe you just like play it out the season, wait till the off season. I don't think there's like any impending. I mean, do they even have any like major players on a, that are on expiring deals this year? Did they extend CJ? Yeah, they extended CJ. So their, their next flight risk would be second, got it right here. Well, actually, Jonas is expiring, but I don't know if they're going to okay. be overreacted to that. And that's that's it. They 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 will they're gonna have to make a contract offer to Najee Marshall, which could be tight because I feel like teams will come after him, and and they're not gonna be in a position to offer him a role as like like you know he doesn't he's too far down in the pecking order there to for a team not like I, I just feel like a team could come and offer him like a starting job somewhere or at least like big minutes. Well, they are gonna have to solve that center position spot, and they're gonna have to do it for not a ton of money. Because they just have a lot of salary committed already. Yeah, so I think we should be like pointing them towards some size. Yeah, um, so maybe any trade they make this season should probably be with the idea of like shoring up that center position for the next few seasons. You could extend Jonas as a stopgap, or you could try to make a longer term decision. Yep. Uh, I really like Larry Nance, but he's just not like he can't. He's always hurt. Yeah. He's always hurt, and he's just he can't be your consistent every night thirty minutes a game guy. It's hard to find a it's hard to find a center that would be theoretically available and useful. I feel like it's actually kind of like a a, a lot of teams have size problems right now in the NBA. Yeah. The, the the amount of like really highly functional seven footers who can hold down the middle for you is like is, is a short list, and, mm-hmm. which is one of the more reasons why like Embiid and Jokic are so dangerous right now because they can just rampage you to death and like. And there's only a couple teams that have the size to deal with that. Like when we just watched Jokic dismantle, like the LA was not big enough, right? Like the the Lakers were not big enough. And we think of them as sort of one of the, like a team that has some extra size and it's like, Oh, and then I'm just looking at all these teams trying to find a center for new Orleans. And just like, this team doesn't even have a center. (laughs) Like, or like this, like, like anyway, so center's about to get paid, I think just for. Yeah, uh, no, it's tough. There's, there's, there's really not, you know, there, there are not 30 starting level centers to go around in the NBA right now. So, yeah. And then wild. with the Pelicans, with the Zion spacing, spacing issues taken into account, you can't just trade for any center, right? It's got to be a guy who, who isn't just like a, a paint behemoth. Except that they've only played him with paint groundbound behemoths and it's like still managed to work out fine, which has like been a weird trend. Like they paired him basically with the centers that you think would make the least amount of sense, like Jonas Valanciunas and before that Steven Adams and Zion still yeah. just kind of like they've somehow managed to make that part of the equation work against all reason and logic. Like just by being an ultra rim punishing team, basically, by like always having like always having a guy out there who's like putting a ton of pressure on the rim. Obviously Adams wasn't doing that more like thinking of Jonas Valanciunas here, but the, the the Pelicans are like, are like annoying to think about in this context because they're like a puzzle with, with more pieces that you can't see. Like I can't keep all these players in my head when you, when you have like 13 rotation players, I'm just sort of like, yeah, I don't even know what the team is like half the time. Well, I'll just Um, say I, I spent like one hour thinking about the Pelicans last month and David Griffin's (laughs) and his staff spent like, 
you know, probably 16 hours a day thinking about how to fix the roster. True. So <laughs> yeah. maybe they'll come up with a better idea. Yeah, and they've got flexibility and options. I think they're in a really good place, even though they're not winning as many games as they would like to be right now. And they're not like, you know, they're basically middle of the pack on offense and defense. And their injuries haven't been like, well, I mean, they've had, they've been out with a, they've had some injury problems. CJ's been out for so long. Trey Murphy's missed yeah. basically the whole season so far. Like, yeah. they might, they might hit their stride and just roll with this roster for this year. But any other teams you want to get in the buyers? On the buyer side, and teams you're still got the excitement and hunger and energy to talk about. Sorry, what did you say? Are there any other buyers that you're like oh, uh, uh, still hungry to talk about? I had like an ad to come up and start playing in the background, <laughs> so I missed everything that you said. Well, Lakers, Lakers are the one team that I mean are definitely going to make a trade this season. Yeah, and they're a funny, they're a funny hard team to talk about. I was watching the the in season tournament game, which is like kind of like was sort of a bit of a, a statement game for the Lakers' legitimacy. Right as currently constructed, or at least that this team still has the tools to play some really elite defense around Anthony Davis, obviously, but like Cam Reddish, well, that's like, like, but like Cam Reddish, they'll throw him out there in lineups where it's like, I think at one point they had like Davis, LeBron, D'Lo, Torian Prince and Cam Reddish out there. And I was just like looking at him like, this is a nightmare defensive lineup. Like, obviously, D'Lo oh, yeah. is not a big part so of that much, equation, so but much like, length. yeah, like, re- like, and fast length where you're not actually giving up that much shooting. Like, Cam Reddish isn't a isn't a isn't a good shooter, but Torian Prince is, and Cam Reddish is like, he's not a non-shooter either. Like, he, like, he's not a he can he will shoot some threes, he will make some, and then like, then they would spit out Jared Vanderbilt for like, cause he, who recently returned from injury. I mean, he played in seven minutes in the game. And that's so that's like, that's a lot of like, you know, putting Anthony Davis and LeBron James aside, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt is a lot of like mobile interchangeable parts. So it just gives you a lot of flexibility because even if you take out LeBron and you don't have his like kind of size in the paint, Vanderbilt can come in and do a little bit of rim protection while being actually way more mobile on the prim- perimeter. And like the offensive side, I think is still like a mess in, in Lakerland. And they they won the in season tournament against a team that just offers no resistance defensively. So they were able to like play a style of offense that will not work against good defensive teams. But it did make me like it did give me some positive feelings about the Lakers for a first time in a while. We're just like, look at this defense. This defense is cool. But yeah, I mean, I, this, this is the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going to want to. They're not going to be happy being the, like a bottom ten offense. For well, the rest of the year. I mean, there have been a couple of things related to that. Like Gabe Vincent has like barely played at all because he's been hurt. And even when he was playing, he uh, couldn't make anything. <laughs> so, yeah. and Christian Wood has been like, he's been pretty terrible. I mean, he hasn't been able yeah. to make a three this year. And there's a lot of things Christian Wood can't do, but making threes is like one of the things that he can. So uh, you'd expect that to pick up. I mean, yeah, like the shooting has been bad, even though LeBron James and Russell have been having really good seasons shooting the ball. And Tarion Prince has been good too. But I mean, those are kind of, they have like three shooters on the roster, basically. And that's just, that's not quite. Well, Austin Reeves can shoot it. Yeah. He's not not shooting the ball well, but like, he's like, I think he's a decent shooter. I mean, if they do make a trade, I feel like it's hard because their most obviously tradable contracts are obviously Russell and Hachimura, like they're kind of, they signed those extensions almost with the 
intention of of being very tradable, right? But like yeah. both of those guys have been big parts of the Lakers this year. So like it, it, once again, it's the conundrum where like you can't trade key parts of your rotation without like leaving gaps behind that you need to fill in addition to whatever you're improving upon. Yeah, and it, I mean it does feel like if if and when the Lakers do make a trade, it is going to be a little bit of deck shuffling that they hope can like juice their offense into more respectable territory yeah but you know they're going to chase zach levine and the it, like the trades you were bringing up for zach levine being as uninspiring as they were like that does seem like a reasonable a gettable player for them yeah which would change which would change their outlook but i mean like is and and also they're getting vincent and vanderbilt back at some point like both those guys have been hurt pretty much the whole season yeah and I mean, vanderbilt's not, already back neither of them neither of them really help you that much with spacing yeah but like those are two very solid defensive players, so you you could definitely sacrifice some defense, especially if you're trading Russell. You know, like he's not helping you that much defensively anyway. So I mean, Russell Russell is a good help defender. He's like he's like smart and communicative, but he's 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 almost as bad as it gets on the perimeter in terms of both his like screen navigation and just there's like there's there's worse like man to man defenders, but like functionally. D'Lo has enough holes on the perimeter that he's a very exploitable defender, but he's playing so well right now. Like he yeah. is, he's actually, he's quite a fun offensive player to watch when he's, when he's playing well and then just morphs into the most frustrating player imaginable when he's not playing well. So, well, and that's the big question. It's like, yeah, D'Lo playing well right now, but do you trust that to continue? 70, no one does 70 games from now when the playoffs no. are starting. No one, no one trusts that. But I think, like, I see Lakers fans being happy about D'Lo again, and it just reminds me of what a roller coaster he is to like have on have on your team. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, he'd almost certainly be going out in a deal for another player. But he's really their offensive lube right now. So there's like they're sending out offensive lube, hoping they can get back some some serious firepower that changes. The overall kind of shape of the yeah, team. No, it would I be, see why it, they it would need to be a that. pretty impactful player, like a, a healthy Zach Levine or something like that. I think DeRozan would be such a, a poor fit here. Oh yeah, no. And why why would why would they trade for DeRozan? Well, everyone talks everyone thinks it's like you know, because DeRozan wants to be traded there and he's like he's from Compton and like, Yeah, but that's dumb. I mean there's I agree. there's a lot of things that people talk about that are that are very dumb. That but the Lakers but the but the Lakers are the are historically the team that manages their front office off, like front office with that dumb fan mindset. Now they've shown they've they've changed those trends in the last couple of seasons. But it wasn't that long ago they traded for Russell Westbrook. I think LeBron wanted to trade for Russell Westbrook. I'm not sure if it well, was. LeBron might want to trade for Demar Derozan. You don't think LeBron learned anything from the Russell Westbrook experience? I I mean, like I, I, he's been pretty consistent. His I think I just think players don't. Like I think players just get excited about getting to play with good players, and they're too close to to see the potential downsides of that. And you know, sometimes it works, and oftentimes it doesn't. But I would like the one thing that I think is really concerning for the Lakers: that LeBron's shooting forty yeah. percent from three right That's now, true. and this isn't a good offense. Like LeBron's not going to keep shooting forty percent from three. Like there's just no no Unless. track record of that. <laughs> Unless. Um, there'll be yeah. a cold stretch coming for LeBron and it will be like, and then it's like this, this offense will sink from 21st to 29th. If like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's Something's true. I mean, I, I hope they don't make a dumb trade. I think if, if the Lakers front office 
is making this decision outside of the influence of trade of, of players, they won't, you know, trade for DeMar DeRozan or something. But I mean, yeah. I, I kind of have some th- sympathy though, because like LeBron really got trashed for the Westbrook trade, and you know, Durant got trashed this offseason for demanding the the players that he wanted on the Suns, right, and on the Nets. But like at the same time, like you know, how many of us? wanted to move in with our our best buddy when we're in college even though <laughs> this can be like a, a terrible roommate situation <laughs> I, yeah, I i yeah. had a really bad roommate situation that was entirely like you know just spur of the moment oh this sounds like it'd be fun it was not fun. yeah i've done i've i think most people have had that experience at some point so yeah lebron don't 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 let your don't ask for your roommate to be traded for, but we'll but we'll see. Like I agree, they're the most likely team to make a trade, but I still feel this team is like semi built for the playoffs defensively with the versatility they have. But they, I just don't think that like like I've, I've said it on every podcast episode. Probably I don't think they have the offensive firepower right now. So I think yeah. that is what they will try to rectify. Any other? The only other teams, two teams we had in the list were OKC. We we talked quite a bit about them earlier, and then the Knicks yeah. are the other team, just because. They have all their draft capital, you know, they, they've retained it. They're not good enough to contend, but they are pretty pretty decent. So this is a team somehow leading the league in, in three-point shooting right now, which is kind of weird. <laughs> you wouldn't expect yeah. that, given the makeup of their roster, and they haven't been able to finish anything at the rim. So it's kind of like the inverse of what you'd expect. You'd expect this to be like a semi-okay team attacking the rim and a bad spacing team, but like it's been the other way around. Well, they still don't let Mitchell Robinson touch the ball, and that's like a lot of their rim pressure there. Barrett doesn't ever get quite all the way to the rim. They got a lot of these like short, strong he guys gets that don't almost play. all the way to the rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he does <laughs> shoot it. Absolutely, he does shoot it. He's having a good season, though. I mean, just mostly because he's shooting the three point ball really well. And Randall, everything yeah. we just said about RJ is true about Randall as well. I mean, Randall's the guy they could send out in a trade that would completely transform their team. I don't know what the again what the demand is there, but I, it's like they're they're like they're kind of a team that has a lot of like weird depth as well. So it's hard to like. Well, this is another team move like pieces around. This is my little mini rant here. Is like this is another team where every it seems like everyone is just saying, oh, they can't make any trades, they can't make any moves because they have to like wait for Mitchell to come to New York or to be available in a trade or whatever. And and this is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I understand why fans are, are, are thinking that, but from a roster construction, like that's dumb, you know, like two shoot first tiny guards in the backcourt, like is not a way to be yeah. able to win games in the modern NBA. Like it, it just doesn't work. Like we know that doesn't work. Smart people who run basketball teams know that doesn't work. Like, why are we why are we saying the Knicks can't ever make a move or trade any picks for Mitchell when we know that Mitchell and Brunson is not going to be a tenable basketball team? Yeah. And this is like I but it's really hard to figure out how to improve this team because like they're good like their best players are like it's kind of like I don't think other teams would want them i mean i think everyone would probably go after brunson but let's good let's take let's take brunson off the table here and mm-hmm. think of and then you get to like julius randall and rj barrett you know they're both like kind of averaging around 20 points per game so they're kind of stars and they like take a lot of shots but like no team is really like gonna value them as stars in the same way so they're not things they're not stars that can bring back value 
And then they have this like armada of role players who Tibbs doesn't really let shoot or be part of the offense. Like yeah. he's always had this such as aggressive, strict ball handling hierarchy. It's like they've got three guys averaging like, you know, between 15 and 19 field goal attempts per game. And they also have quickly averaging 11. And then after that, it just drops down. Like Mitchell Robinson gets less than five. Josh Hart at seven. Quentin Grimes only gets six shots a game. Like you're not really allowed to do stuff out there in Tibbs' offense. And so it's like improving stuff around the margins is hard. And their best, their best thing is that this team is really like physical and strong and aggressive. And they were an elite defense until they just got completely ripped to shreds by Milwaukee and Boston last week. And now their, their, their defense has dropped more in the middle of the pack just because they like just got lit up. Like they gave up one, uh, 146 to Milwaukee and then 133 like three days later to Boston. And now it's like yeah. the defense is, is, is looking a little bit rockier. But Mitchell Robinson, I think, was out in both those games, if I'm not correct. Yeah. If I'm if I'm correct, no, he was he played he played against Milwaukee. Okay. They gave up. Well, this is points. this is just another team where I mean, it's you wouldn't think it because of their physical play style, but they are really small. I mean, they're undersized at almost every position, um, except for Robinson. It's just like Robinson, and, yeah. And Hart, they 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 play two big center. They always have a big center on the floor, and then everyone else is like six everyone else four. is small. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team they could just use some size. I think that would help them defensively, which Tibbs would, would be into. But the player needs to be offensively skilled as well. So that's why I'm saying, like, you know, there's not going to be a lot of options for size plus skill unless you get, like, a Larry Markinen or someone like that. But I mean, I'm just trying to, like, kind of open up the discussion and say, like, can we can we, <laughs> can we at least have the discussion that the Knicks can do something other than just waiting for Mitchell? Yes, yeah, and they like they have they have so many tradable con- contracts. They have they have their own draft assets in place. It's like they're well positioned to make a trade, and they've been trying to make them. If it's not Mitchell, they 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 want to trade for a star because they do see okay, we've got this like solid roster that has no chance of like making the finals. Like so yes. many crazy things that have to happen for the, the they're, they're a team that can, they can win a playoff series for sure. But like, it's like, what could, you can't look at this roster and imagine more. And they've also already tapped most of their upside. Like, like where no one's anticipating RJ Barrett gets like, takes another leap at this point. Mitchell Robinson is having his best like season in terms of actually being a like strong defender. But like we're not anticipating that he's going to like you know change his skill set. I guess quickly is still the one who's the most up and up. And then like you know they got some younger guys like like they got Miles McBride on the roster and things like that where the ship feel like you know is looking less likely for some of those players where you you feel like all these players kind of are what they are. So there's not a lot of room for internal development. So this team's pretty good and they're pretty well built and they have an identity and it's like functional. But it's like yeah, where do you go from here? It's probably trading like four of those players and bringing back some, and a lot of draft assets, but it almost just like, I'm not really sure it matters which players it is. Like you probably want to keep Robinson around unless you're bringing back like rim protection and Jalen Brunson yeah. is your best player. So you probably want to keep him around. But after that, it's kind of like, well, I do I think like any of these, any, any significant trade, which is going to change the t- the scope of the team would probably have to move on from Randall just yeah. because if Randall takes a reduced role in your offense, his value just gets so much worse, right? Like, so you really need to move on. Like, Randall is is only, like, somewhat necessary 
because of the role that he plays in the Knicks offense, like how many, how many, how much offense he's creating. And if you're trading for like another high level offensive player that takes away from Randall and he's not really giving you much defensively or being a ball mover. So he doesn't really help in other ways. They're playing like seven guys, eight guys, pretty decent money, you know, in that kind of like nine to 30 million category. So it's Evan Fournier is like the dead money sitting on their roster. That's yep. like their trade flexibility is basically as good as it gets. It's just a question of like what the target is. That's that's all of our, our teams. We're tapped out. They've all traded with each other. They all have completely different rosters now. The entire NBA landscape has changed thanks to this podcast episode. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of them are going to listen to this, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're all listening to it right now. They all they yeah. all have our microphones tapped because they're so so interested in the ideas that we have for them. It's hard because like the in season tournament was fun, and now we get back into the regular season. And like the the primary purpose of the regular season is kind of to determine like who which teams are in the mix for the playoffs, which teams are looking towards the draft, and there's a whole bunch of people in the middle who these are the ones that are fun to speculate about, like which direction are they going to go. Um, and I just think we we have a clear hierarchy in the NBA right now where I would I would say there's three, four, five teams which are like clear contenders. And then there's such a steep drop off after that where there's just like a lot of teams that are essentially not in that group at all and would need to really shake things up in order to enter the conversation. So those those are kind of the, some of the teams we try to focus on. And those are the teams that I, I think are fun to speculate about. Yeah. You know, it's one kind of random fun consequence of the in-season tournament what's up no one is no one talks about the all-star game at this point of the year anymore like it's like oh yeah <laughs> that's like yeah that's, i haven't heard haven't missed that like, because we usually just have to start obsessing about it way too early because it's like the next thing coming up but now it's just like i i have not heard anyone bring up like who's going to be an all-star this season so i don't know i think the in-season tournament was a pretty big win in the first year that people who were whining about it were confirmed as a, as pretty silly silly little guys like all you can all your only argument is like it doesn't mean anything it's just like guess what nothing means anything existence is meaningless including uh, the nba championship don't go nietzsche, don't go nietzsche on me well, I mean, that's 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 the only response I have for someone telling me that a meaningless sports thing is meaningless. Like, yeah, I know we're just we're all in this together. We're all watching sports. You yeah. can't tell me that some parts of sports have meaning just because you believe they do, and then tell me which ones don't. Well, I mean, if it did, does it have less meaning? I mean, like the games counted in the standings and everything, other than the finals, right? But. Did, did like these games somehow have less meaning than a typical early December regular season game? <laughs> you know, like, they had they, they had meaning because someone told me they did. And I and I agreed. And you can choose not to agree out there. But it's like it was like it was a, I thought it was really fun to discuss the in-season tournament as it was happening. I thought the mm-hmm. games were excellent. The Pacers like, you know, like it really felt like a like a game that mattered more when I was watching the Pacers play the Lakers on the, on the ugly court. Like I was, I like, I got, I made sure that I watched that game rather than it being like, Oh, I, I've got something going on on a random whatever yeah. night in the week. So the, the NBA derives its value purely from fan experience, right? If yeah. fans enjoy it, they'll pay for the product and it will have meaning <laughs> through these, through this process basically. Right. Yeah. But so if people don't enjoy the product, which, People talking about the NBA online are a fairly small fraction of you know actual NBA fandom, uh, especially globally. But it certainly seemed like 
most people online were not really enjoying the early regular season NBA experience all that much. So, you know, anything we can do to kind of shake it up and, and make it more interesting, even if it's gimmicky, like, does it necessarily matter all that much? Because like the, the point of the NBA is not to like have some sort of inherent prestige or, or legacy. It's, it's to provide a fun basketball experience yeah. to fans. I thought it was fun. I, I'll look forward to it again next year. I hope they kind of like tinker a little bit and improve on some of the things that were less effective this year. But like, it's a nice, I'm just glad we have one more kind of like chat, like specific chapter in the NBA season, you know, yeah. like start of the season in season tournament, getting into all-star. Then we get into trade deadline and then it's the finals of the playoff race. And there's a playoffs. It just feels kind of like that was the spot that was missing. And I think yeah. it's cool that they tried to fill it with something anyways. And I think both um, of us understood that it, it might be a little bit easier for me because coming from college basketball, watching a lot of college, especially when I was younger, like college is a lot of early season tournaments. And like the point of them is kind of silly, you know, like we have the Maui yeah. tournament, like the point of the Maui tournament is like sell sunglasses, <laughs> or something but you know like it's fun right it's like it's a little excursion players are playing in these like unique venues and it's just it's just a cool fan experience like that's that's what it's all about. yeah single elimination is fun i don't i don't like you know which, I, it gets it gets silly sometimes in high doses like the randomness of march madness is always like wow this is so random but like a little yeah. a little dose of it in the nba season was like i would i wouldn't want them to change the nba playoffs to single elimination that would be brutal but i love getting a little taste of the single elimination drama yeah. thanks nba for the for the for the spice it was fun and now we now we get to talk about trades and all-stars again. yeah yeah maybe we'll if, if if people will probably beat us to it to it on other podcasts but maybe when we come back we will do an all-stars we'll have to have that conversation soon because it is fun to talk about which players have been good this year yeah if you if you like this podcast you know make sure to subscribe make sure to check us out on youtube if you sort of want to just kind of grab video bits of these conversations when you don't have time to listen to the whole thing you know we're underhand free throw on youtube on twitter check us out all over those social platforms but most importantly just try your best to remember that all is life happy holidays and we'll talk to you next time